Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to WrestleMania Week here at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. What's up, everybody? Welcome to show number three of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweets WrestleMania Week. I am your host today, the modern day Maharaja, David Hockney. And today I am joined by panelists of members of the Yes Movement as we celebrate the clearance and return of one Mr. Daniel Bryan. And that is going to be the theme of today's show. So we'll discuss uh, Bryan's um, first run in WWE before his uh, unfortunate retirement. And now two years later, neurologists have given him the all clear to compete again. And we'll hopefully see him in action at this Sunday's WrestleMania. But before we get into that, let's meet our panel. Starting off first, we have the president of the Glasgow University Pro Wrestling Society, Andy Mitchell. Andy, welcome. Hey, how's, how's it going, David? Good to be back. Yeah, it's good to have good to have you on board. Are you excited that uh, Brian's coming back? I am actually. I've only got one word for it. That is yes. Yes, indeed. All right, <laughs> and also joining me, we have the the Gun Brothers. Uh, first of all, <laughs> we have the set piece king, Ross McLeod, and his brother Bart. Right. I mean Scott. <laughs> Both of you, uh, welcome back. Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks. Yeah. Oh, Ross, you don't sound as enthusiastic as you were yesterday. Because he knows I'm here. I live tweeted Raw last night and got about three hours sleep, and I'm doing SmackDown tonight. So, <laughs> oh joy. Right. Well, we'll hopefully not keep you too long, but let's just uh, let's keep it going. So, gents, I think would it be fair to say that we're all big fans of Daniel Bryan? Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. So, I mean, his initial run uh, with the WWE as he came in as part of the, the first season of NXT, when it was in that god-awful reality show sort of format. Uh, they were doing, you know, like, sock and bop and challenges, keg carrying, rather than just um, getting in the ring and showing how good they were. But fun fact about Daniel Bryan, he was actually the first, uh, the very first match under the NXT banner. And can any of you remember who he, who he was up against? Uh, Chris Jericho. Yeah, Chris Jericho. And Jericho was World Heavyweight Champion at the time. So it was quite a a marquee match for all the sort of uh, independent diehard sort of fans who favour sort of the more indie promotions. Uh, but yeah, I think that started off, uh, started off quite well. 
And he's had quite a, an extensive uh, career, you know, since he first debuted in 2010. Um, but then he unfortunately had to, two years ago, February 8th, 2016 it was, he had to um, be forced to retire due to injury. Um, so I think, yeah, what I'd like to do first is sort of discuss his initial run between uh, when he debuted to when he had to cut his emotional retirement speech. And we'll discuss that a bit later on. So I just wanted to get your first thoughts on, like, what did you think of uh, of Brian during his first sort of NXT run and then his transition to the main roster? Um, Ross, uh, what, did, what did you have uh, in terms of memories? The first memory I actually have of him was fighting Batista on a random episode of Raw because I never watched uh, NXT, the reality show. Okay. I think I gave... I think I gave like 30 seconds of it a go. One week, I think it was like week three, and they were doing like a promo on toothpaste, and I just went, no, you're all right. I'll be happy this summer. <laughs> yeah, was that um, the hijack Raw, the one that was in Chicago, and they were just booing the authority mercilessly, by any chance? No, no, it was, it was still in NXT at the time. It was uh, Cena was meant to fight somebody, and then Batista was meant to fight Miz. Oh, right. And Miz subbed in. Yes, no, I think I remember. Uh, Miz I remember what one you were talking about, yeah. Oh, that was... In fact, I- Cena was meant to fight Jericho and he subbed in Wade Barrett. So that was Wade Barrett and Brian's debut that night. Right, okay. No, I'm with you now, I remember. Uh, Andy? Was it the first uh, memory of I had of Brian? I actually read about him in uh, Power Slam magazine uh, when he was in NXT because I, I didn't watch NXT and I wasn't really watching the product. And I, yeah. I, think it, I think the first match might have been the 18 seconds one that I actually saw. No, no, tell you, it was the uh, triple threat between him and Big Show and Mark Henry. Oh, that was yeah, that was the 2012 Royal Rumble. Yeah. But but I was, was like still, yeah, I was still sort of reading about him and stuff like that, and it just caught my eye because uh, just the praise he was getting and how amazing a wrestler he was. Ah, uh, yeah. See, that's the thing, you know. I think a lot of people like in WWE, like sort of management, and particularly Michael Cole at the time, you know, they were sort of just downplaying him, very very condescending. Like he was, uh, I don't know if it was because of his vegan lifestyle, the fact he didn't own a television, he was about. And he was billed as like five foot ten and about two hundred pounds. So he was basically what in WWE's terms he was deemed as like a cruiserweight who wasn't really gonna go anywhere. Uh do you think that sort of treatment of him was justified in a in a sense? No. Scott, do you have any comments on that? Uh, oh really. I just I think this is he came in much with punk. It's at the start of when like indie guys were starting to come in because they kept mentioning his past experience as being in the minor leagues. So it was a few years when we had like the NXT as it is now, and we had the proper indie terms like Seth Rollins coming in, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, no, really, like up until the 18 second bit at WrestleMania, the only thing memorable about Daniel Bryan was the feud with the Miz. Yeah, his feud with the Miz was uh, was pretty awesome as well. Uh, well, for lack of a better word. And he ended up beating the Miz for the United States Championship as well, and that was his mm. sort of first sort of uh, his first sort of big win on the main roster. But there were some times in between like his NXT days and then, uh, because he actually he debuted as part of the the initial Nexus invasion where they just destroyed the ring, and he ended he ended up getting fired because he he choked Justin Roberts with his own tie, and the the management deemed that as uh, not uh, not PG enough. So Brian got released for excessive violence, essentially. So don't so don't forget he spat in Cena's face as well. And he spat in Cena's face, yeah. <laughs> um, Did they know yet Cena as well? You're not better than me. Yeah, and 
Like, so do you think his firing was a bit of an overreaction on WWE's part, or do you think you know PG just sort of like was being enforced too heavily? I, th- I think it was more to do with the was was the TV because uh, I think uh, I remember him saying, and uh, was it the interview with Jericho where he was talking about it, and it kind of felt like yeah, he kind of went a bit too far. But I don't think it was WWE. They had to like they they had the hand turned. Aye, yeah. Um... But then he sort of came back at sort of SummerSlam time and he came back on WWE side because fan response for him was so popular. Mm. And I think it was that crowd sort of momentum that just made him a notable figure, whether he was booked in the mid-card or whether he was going for uh, a main event championship run. He never really sort of featured as a jobber, essentially, or on, on the undercard at all. And I think that just is a testament to show like how, how over he was as a fan, or with the fans, rather. And he... Um, he ended up winning the Money in the Bank in 2011 as well. The same one where we had John Cena versus CM Punk, the electric Chicago crowd. Arguably, I'd say one of the best pay-per-views of the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think his Money in the Bank build towards his cash-in was that great, to be honest. I mean, do you guys, would you guys say that's a fair point, uh, Ross? Yeah, I remember when he was uh, Mr. Money in the Bank, he was losing in superstars to Trent Barretta. Yeah, like on... so that just that shows how he was booked. Uh-huh. I think there was like five pay per views in a row. This is before we had the kick off like televised. He was the, like during his US title reign and Mister Money in the Bank. He was the dark match of every show. Aye, uh, so it seems like it was like management sort of putting him on sort of uh, pre show TV or dark matches, like you said. Uh, Andy, do you see any? Did you think that was? Uh, do you think management were just poorly treating him? Yeah, I think they were. I, I think it's the mentality. They think it's like, oh, if they, as I think they want the the cash in to be a surprise. So they think, oh, if we uh, do this in a certain way, they know they see it coming. But then it's a case of, you know, you can do. He was essentially getting buried because. Nah. Yeah, Scott, do you have uh, anything to say about that? Yeah, what you say about him um, getting buried. Even when he he won the title, he was still booked as a coward, constantly running away from like Mark Henry in the Big Show. So I think still, mm-hmm. in, in terms of, in terms of the guys, he still wasn't seen as on that same level, even though he had the belt. To be fair, he was a uh-huh. little and Mark Henry. So. <laughs> yeah, you remember the um, yeah, you remember the night after his cash in as well. I think it was a bit of an anticlimactic cash in as well because Big Show and Mark Henry they'd just been through a chairs match. Show was out on his back. Brian essentially just hands the referee the briefcase and covers Show, and then he wins the championship. So it wasn't like a the, the plucky underdog overcoming big challenges. He basically just pinned Joe and that was it. No no effort required. And even on the post the post uh, TLC show, which is the one he won, like you CM Punk and Zack Ryder, the beloved sort of uh, fans amongst sort of uh, or wrestlers amongst internet fans. And it was it was kind of like uh, I mean the internet kind of got its wish with that. But I think all three of them were booked so badly as champion. Brian, in particular, on the build towards WrestleMania, because even though Brian had survived the cage match with Big Show and Mark Henry, uh, and then successfully defended it in the Elimination Chamber uh, the same the same year, it all sort of fell apart uh, at WrestleMania 28 when Sheamus, who won the Royal Rumble, beat him in 18 seconds, and that, to a lot of people, was um, the sort of turning point for Brian's massive surge in popularity uh, with the whole yes movement angle. So do you think 
that 18 seconds, you know, was it a blessing in disguise? Uh, Andy, do you think it was? Yeah, because uh, I remember seeing it and I knew he was a great wrestler and I knew Sheamus could have a decent match. So I was like, I think everybody was looking forward to it. And then 18 seconds later, it was just like, what, what was that? You know, I think uh-huh. if they just had a, like a five, ten minute match, I don't think the Yes movement would have been as strong as it was. And I think it was just everybody wanted to see him wrestle. They knew, you know, the guy could wrestle. Okay, uh, so Ross, do you remember much about the 18-second the match? Yeah, I basically missed the, the broke kick and the 1-2-3. I turned away thinking that five seconds into a match when Daniel Bryan's kissing AJ Lee that it'd be a safe time to turn around and grab a bit of pizza. And I turned back around and Seamus is holding the title. Like, what the hell happened there? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, and Scott, you said you were watching it with them. What were your, what were your thoughts on that? Well, at the time, I wasn't really looking into... Like reading online and seeing that all oh, this person's getting buried and that, so actually kind of quite funny at the time. And I know a lot of people thought it was horrible, but with the gift of hindsight, it's really the best thing that could have happened at the time because really kicked off then, and we were chanting it all through the raw after Mania. Yeah, no, that's that surge was uh, easily the uh, the sort of the starting point for what would be the the Yes movement. But again, it was I think that was the second year in a row. I think both Sheamus and Brian got shafted at. Uh, on the big stage because the year before they were in a dark match with the US title but then yeah. that turned to a lumberjack match and do you remember who won that? The Great Khali. The Great Khali, yeah. Oh, sorry. I said it was originally a lumberjack match but then it turned into a battle royal which is won by the Great Khali. Sorry, I should correct myself there. Um, but we did get some really good points between the 18 seconds and the, the, big, uh, the big finish at WrestleMania 30. It was uh, Brian uh, teamed with Kane uh, to form Team Hell No, probably one of his uh, his most entertaining skits uh, as part of his career. And the following year at Mania, he's in the tag team title picture program with uh, Dolph Ziggler and Big E. But then that's when the surge in popularity kicks off. Team Hell No breaks apart. Brian sort of says, I'm going to break off on more and I'm this, uh, I'm going to become world champion. And that's what he did at SummerSlam. And then that started the whole authority angle. And then that and end build up to the the miracle on Bourbon Street moment, like so for WrestleMania Thirty. Where were you guys when you saw that that happen? Because for me personally, I think it was probably one of the greatest WrestleMania moments of all time. Seeing that payoff, uh, Andy, did you remember seeing it? Yeah, I was. Uh, it was the night after work. I watched that at my friends. Uh, it was the same night, wasn't it? With uh, the streak ended, so I was like, "But yeah, I hope Brian wins, or else I'm not watching this ever again." Hi. <laughs> Yeah, it was really good feel-good moment. Uh, it was a good match. I can't really remember. I need to go back and watch it. I've not seen it since, you know, I saw it. I just remember just a moment of him holding the titles. It was just great. Yeah, and he wasn't even supposed to be in the match at all. You know, I think it was it was rumoured to just be just Randy Orton and Batista. Cause... It's going to be uh, round three with him and Sheamus. Yeah, uh, that's right. Match. So it just goes to show like how badly management were treating him. He wasn't put in the Royal Rumble. Fans hated that. And yeah. they essentially forced WWE's hand to put him in the main event. Arguably, I think it was probably either... Either WWE wasn't completely forced to do that out of fan pressure, or do you think they were just creative geniuses in the fact that they're getting fans riled, deliberately riled up so that it would cheer even louder and create a, a more spectacle WrestleMania moment? Ross, Scott, do you have any comments on that? Well, I, I actually had to go back and watch the main event for the first time since it happened when I found I was doing this pod because as Scott will tell you I was kind of 
inconsolable after the streak ending. Oh yeah, I think we all were. And then I, <laughs> I was rather drunk, so it was Scott and one of my friends still sober watching the streak, and me and my other pal holding each other closely <laughs> as we were passed out on the couch. Uh, Scott, what did you um, what did you make of WrestleMania 30 as a whole? Like you know, because obviously the streak ending was probably the biggest shock of the night, but Brian winning it did that sort of elevate it a bit? Yeah, I was I like WrestleMania 30 as a whole, but I think like during Brian's the match, I couldn't really fully pay attention because I was still kind of reeling a little bit from the streak and also wondering how am I going to get home tonight if he buggers off <laughs> and Ian Ross because <laughs> he almost stormed out at one point. Yeah, to be honest, I, I think the streak sort of set the tone for the remainder of the night, but I think overall, because I remember I watched it with a few of the other folks on this podcast, I've mentioned this on air before, but... Um, I mean, it dampened the mood uh, maybe during the women's the following women's match, which is the big 14 Diva Invitational. And, but by the time the main event sort of came around, we sort of calmed down and we thought, right, it's okay, we can still, we can still end on a high note. And that's exactly what happened because we were all jumping off our seats by the time Brian was uh, holding the championships and going yes the whole way. It was, it was magic. But then, oh, sorry. Um, but then, unfortunately, he got um, sidelined with uh, neck injuries and other sort of uh, nagging injuries, and that forced him to vacate the championship. And we didn't see him again until the following year's Royal Rumble, where he was eliminated pretty quickly. Although he did end up um, going on to WrestleMania 31 to compete in the Intercontinental Championship ladder match, winning it and becoming a Grand Slam winner. So I suppose that was, uh, that was I suppose, another big WrestleMania moment for him there. Do you think it was... Uh, and that's when he became the, the Grand Slam champion. Do you think it's uh, his first run overall was a, a career uh, that any superstar would be envious of, Andy? Uh, sorry, you cut out there. What, what was it you said, sorry? Sorry, I'll, hold on, I'll make a note of that. Um, so yeah, I was just saying he was out with injury uh, following the uh, the big uh, the big win at WrestleMania 30. He didn't come back until the following year's Royal Rumble and but he did get into the WrestleMania 31 ladder match, winning the IC Championship, and then becoming a Grand Slam winner. Mm. So um, do you think that sort of career path for the first sort of six, seven years or so was, uh, was a career that people would be envious of? I think so. Because wasn't it, uh, you said that the WrestleMania quiz, he, he's won every match he had at WrestleMania was for a title, and it's like, that's quite uh-huh. you know, uh, was it different titles? And... I don't know. I feel like he should have got his rematch, maybe because he didn't. You know, he never. He still is all the rematch for the WWE title, so that would uh-huh. be more interesting to see that. But Intercontinental was good, and I think they had plans for him to be like a really strong champion. And it's just a shame again that he's, you know, he had an injury. You know, he got injured again. Yeah, been really interesting to see what he done for the Intercontinental Championship the division. Yeah, no, but he sort again. He sort of got lagged down by injury again. He was forced to vacate the Intercontinental Championship as well. And unfortunately, the injuries got the better of him and he was forced into retirement with multiple concussions. He had neck surgery as well. Uh, and February 8, 2016 is when he delivered the emotional speech uh, about his retirement. He was uh, saying he was grateful for the fans, grateful for um, his wife's support, Bree. And it was it was a really sad moment. Uh, do you guys remember watching that? Scott, Ross, do you remember seen it uh, as well it was sad I think because he'd had to go away twice and have to give up titles I think and he'd been out for so long I think deep down I kind of 
prepare myself for the idea that he might not get back in the ring. But it was still hard to see him come out, and you could clearly see he was heartbroken. And he mentioned last time they were in that arena, it was his dad had seen him, and that was the last time his dad got to see him. Yeah, wrestle. So it was hard not to get just a little bit choked up. Yeah, uh, Ross, uh, what do you think? Well, I remember being extremely emotional about the fact that after the show, Titus O'Neil was unfairly suspended and screwed out of his Titus O'Neil was the most upset that night. <laughs> the big deal, Titus O'Neil. Honestly, I, I, I don't think I'll ever get out of that one, Dave. Just don't come back to me for a bit. I'm, I'm, I'm still All right, uh, Andy, we'll move to you uh, while Ross uh, weeps over Titus O'Neil for a moment. Uh, it's not fair, David. What? It's not fair. No, it isn't fair. What can you do, eh? Yes, Andy, what, were your, what was your reaction to the retirement speech? Well, I remember seeing the tweet that he had an announcement, and I was going to, you never know what to take, you know, with. WWE, so I was like, I have to see it to see if he has retired. And it was, it was really heartbreaking. You could see in his eyes, you know, he was, mm-hmm. you know, he was just like, that's, you know, that's what he always wanted to do, and they had to give it up. And it was really sad. And while I was doing some research for the podcast today, it showed you like, a clip of Total Divas, and he just had a massive breakdown. Like he really, like his heart was broken, and it, mm-hmm. and it was. It's kind of, you know, he's he's a bit like the everyman. You can kind of, you know see yourself and Daniel Bryan and yeah it was just just an emotional moment it felt a very sort of human moment as well the fact that you know we all experience uh, something dreadful in our lives we lose something that we enjoy doing and like there's Ross, not really been Titus O'Neil's dreams yeah Ross uh, Ross mentioned Titus getting suspended was uh... I'm still greeting here do you mind jeez oh right uh, but yeah, that was basically the last time we saw Brian sort of like in a ring that wasn't in a sort of uh, from a wrestler standpoint because uh, later that year he was appointed uh, general manager of SmackDown Live. Um, since then, he sort of played a much more low key role. You know, if a general manager tends to do is he oversees what goes on. Personally, I think he's done all right as a, as a general manager type role. He's not stealing the show. Uh, he's not making it all about him. He's um he's given the a lot of the fans what they want to see. He introduced the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. He introduced the SmackDown Women's Championship, uh, and at the moment uh, he's in this sort of mini feud with uh, Shane, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. Uh, guys, do you think Brian's done a, a pretty good job as as general manager, uh, Ross? Yeah, I think he's done. I think he's the best on-screen manager since well William Regal in NXT. He doesn't. He's got a clear dynamic. He doesn't change every week. He doesn't you know, steal the show unless Shane's involved because, you know, a McMahon has to be front and centre for everything. Uh, well, you could say... Uh, yeah, I think, I think he's been brilliant. You could say the same about Teddy Long as well. You know, it was his mantra was just arrive, tag team, match, leave. <laughs> and that was... Uh, but Holla. would you say the same with that? Well, if Daniel Bryan starts wearing those suits and saying player, I mean, I'll put him right up there with Teddy Long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, oh, have you heard, have you heard the rumour? We might, might not be saying player after WrestleMania. The general manager might be saying, brother. Bro. I'll tell you what, if that's the case, uh, I think that's created a new reason to tune into SmackDown. And uh, with mm-hmm. Brian competing again, do you think he's going he's gonna to leave the general manager's post, Scott? Oh, I, would, I would think so, because I think at first he was happy to be just back in WWE and in the general manager role. And you could clearly see he was having fun on Totten Smack, get, taking every little dig at Raw that he could. But you can see, basically, late... Uh, late 2017, it's the frustration and wanting to be back in the 
back in the ring. I think now that he's cleared, he would he would kind of want to be back full time, or at least as much as he could be, given these these injuries. But like I think his promo on SmackDown when he was talking about how tired he was, Jim, I think you could tell there was a bit of how he really felt in that promo. Yeah, there was a there does seem a sense of sense of realism there, like especially mostly throughout his entire run, like in 2017, because um, you know, like with the I don't know if you, if you guys remember Talking Smack or not. It was a, a sort of segment that was cancelled on SmackDown because it sort of it sort of let let people sort of go off the cuff with mic work and promos, and it made some of the most entertaining TV you could ask for. And Brian, I think, was really sort of pushing the boundaries with a lot of things. You know, he was like um, he mentioned uh, like stuff you, that was floating around on the dirt sheets. He was talking about other promotions. Uh, and he was really sort of getting annoyed with the fact that the uh, the physicians and the neurologists wouldn't clear him because, like, some some of them had cleared him, but WWE's own doctor wouldn't clear him. And I think you could see the frustration settling in as well. So I think we'd give him with the news that um, no more than, like, say, about a week ago, Brian was cleared to return to the ring and by all the neurologists. And... It was great news, but do you think um, do you think there was some influence in there that Brian was going to be on his way out, or do you think he was a genuine sort of medical, from a pure medical standpoint, he had made a full recovery, Andy? Yeah, I think it was the because I think with like you were saying about talking smack and talking about his frustrations, it was like him basically being like, well, if I could give up. I can let my contract run out and then I'll just wrestle in Indies and he'll get his money there. And I think it was that they don't want to lose a star like Daniel Bryan. And when was his contract up? Uh, September. September, yeah. Yeah, I think that influenced a lot for him to say, right, we'll change it. Because how many people have now seen that he's going to be wrestling at Mania and thought, you know what, I'm going to actually watch, I'm going to buy, you know, the network just to see him wrestle again, his first match back. You know, it's a, you know, it's a moneymaker. Yeah, apparently the announcement of him being cleared has increased ticket sales, so... Yeah. Yeah, no, you're quite right. Yeah, I was just... Uh, you took it... Um, you said it right there. Um, Brian's clearance and now his his WrestleMania involvement has um, has now boosted WrestleMania ticket sales, so it just goes to show how much of a big draw he is on his own. Now, the rumoured match for his WrestleMania is... Uh, it's, it's going to be him and Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, with the stipulation being that if Owens and Zayn win, then they get rehired to SmackDown because they were fired uh, last week. Mm. Do you think... Uh, but there are some complications to this match because I don't know if you've seen, but Shane was recently hospitalized with uh, diver, diverticulitis. It's a tricky word to say. But yeah, <laughs> I'm not... I'm a bit worried that this match might not happen because of Shane's health. I mean, he, he was admitted no more than a week ago. And do you think he'll recover in time? Because, I mean, it's a serious thing. He was in hospital on a drip. And, yeah, I, I'm not... I'm out. My hopes aren't too high, to be honest. Uh, what do you guys think, Ross? Um, I'm thinking... And this is me fantasy booking again. And I was very, very wrong with Kurt Hawkins last night. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm hoping if he gets a... Tag partner. I'm hoping it's the reuniting of Team Hell No. Okay. Kane's not doing anything. He might be in the Battle Royal. I mean, I mean, would you rather see Team Team Hell No or would you rather see Kane take up a place in the Battle Royal? Well, I think given his history with Kane and you know how brilliant the Team Hell No skit was, I would. I think I'd be quite happy to see Team Team Hell No actually. Uh, Andy, do, would you be happy to see Team Hell No again? 
Yeah, I would do. Yeah, you were saying about Shane McMahon. I was going to say, I, if Buddy Finch is telling his son to jump off that cell, I wouldn't be surprised if he went into the hospital when Buddy wheeled him out on the gun. There. <laughs> God damn it. Maybe he sent Dr. Austin in after him. Yeah, that's. So, he, just, he, he just wrestled with the drip uh, at ringside. He should, be, he should be okay. You know, I I was watching as well today. Like, you know, Shane's been put through a lot. You know, I'm just thinking of visions of. You know, King of the Ring 2001. I think I think he probably will be there if he's like half dead. Like uh, I yeah. can see Shane being in a match still. Like, okay, right. okay. Well, um, just two more questions for you guys. Uh, who do you think is going to win the WrestleMania match? I reckon Andy. Uh, I reckon this is going to be like a, a wild card thing, but I reckon because they've been planting the seeds that Brad they want to turn Brian Hill and Alliance with uh, Sami Zayn and. Oh, and I can kind of see that him being a bit of a tweener, you know, sort of um, turning his back on McMahon's and sort of being an indie darling. I don't know. I, I, I can kind of see that happening, but you know, that's just a wild, that's just a a wild card sort of. Show. I mean, he has shown some sympathy towards Owens and Zane in the past, so I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. I mean, it could happen. Uh, Ross, Scott, what do you guys think? Ross, I'll start with you. Um, I think what Andy said was pretty much hits the nail on the head. It's it's a stupid move, but I think they're going to turn him heel. You know, it was like when they brought Seth Rollins back and they released a documentary of his struggle, and yet still turned him heel. Like people still wanted to cheer yeah. him. Like, what makes you think Brian's going to be any different? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be any different. I think you know the popularity will still be there, and it gives it makes uh, it gives Owens and Zayn sort of much. It gets them back on the roster, albeit in a quite a, a sneaky way. Scott, uh, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, since they announced the stipulation of like having. Uh, Owens and Zane's career is depending on the result of the match. I've been kind of going back and forth on it. I think uh, I'm going to go with the rumour that I've been hearing that you could have Brian and Shane win if Shane's even cleared win, but have Owens and Zane get signed by Stephanie over to Raw. So you could still have Owens and Zane on TV and still give Brian that big win on his return because I think a lot of people will want to see him like win his big return to the ring. Yeah, uh, again, so many different possible outcomes, and I think that's what I really like about the build for this for this WrestleMania is like there's a lot of unpredictability going into it. I'd I'd argue it's probably the best built mania in in years, and I think it could have potential to be on par with WrestleMania 17 if it's booked right. Now, I mean, that just might be wishful thinking on my part, but I'm feeling very very optimistic about this year. Uh, finally, just one last thing since we're focusing on Daniel Bryan. Now that he's been retu- now that he's been cleared, now that he's coming back, the the thing everybody's been talking about is who could he possibly face post WrestleMania. So who would be his dream opponents? Now there have been a few names floating around. Uh, Andy, who would you like to see Daniel Bryan face uh, in the future after WrestleMania? Um, I obviously I think everyone's going to have this on the list, but AJ Styles is definitely you know that would clash, and actually the Miz as well because. Uh, if I'm right, the match of him and the Miz for the US title was their only encounter. Yeah, Miz was a, was a big game being floating around because, like, like you said, they were feuding on Talking Smack, and that's when Miz had his insanely yeah. good promo, probably the promo of his career on that segment, and it was uh, following a confrontation with Brian. And so I think, see, sorry, yep. I was just going to say that still hasn't been resolved, and there'll probably be a draft, and it'll be just great, you know, if they if they reignite that feud. And just have them in that one last match kind of thing. I think that would be yeah. a really good match. And like I said, they haven't faced each other since 2011 or 2010. I can't remember when the match was. And 2000, 
10, yeah. And AJ Styles, you know, it's just, it'll just be a clash. Obvious choice, yeah. yeah. Scott, uh, any any other dream opponents for Brian? Uh, yeah, but first I want to say about the Miz, well, I think one of the main downsides of that whole Miz-Brian thing on SmackDown, as good as it was, is the fact that nobody knew if Brian was going to be cleared, so that meant there was no real payoff. But yeah, now we've got the opportunity to see a payoff. But uh, one of my dream opponents for him is, I've seen this tweet shortly after Brian was cleared. It was from EC3. And he said he's been wanting to punch Brian in the face for years. <laughs> I remember he was Brian's uh, rookie on NXT season four as Derek Bateman. So listen, that's right there. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I completely forgot about that. No, well, well remembered. Yeah. Because uh, that was EC3's previous incarnation as Derek Bateman. That was the fourth season of the reality show NXT. Yeah. And but I think, sorry, I think he's just come on like leaps and bounds as a character and in the ring since then. So in the match itself would be really good. That would be pretty amazing now that you mentioned it, yeah. Uh, finally, Ross, any opponents we've not mentioned yet? Well, it's somebody that could be on his way up to the main roster as of Saturday. The most popular babyface since Daniel Prime, Johnny Gargano. Yes. I think just they're so similar. They're both so quick and so good in the ring. I think it'd be an absolute dream match. The problem with that, yeah. is, sorry, I think the main issue with that match is, though, is who gets cheered because... It's going to be one of the ones that really divides the crowd because they want to cheer for both guys. There's nothing wrong with that. You could say the same about AJ Styles' Nakamura uh, at this Sunday's Mania, you know, because they're both faces. They're both insanely popular. Uh, you you kind of... you. It would be like the sort of the same dynamic there with Brian and Gargano. But there's nothing wrong with face v face because as long as it... As long as the crowd's invested in it, I think there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, you know, Johnny Gargano was involved in the, the five-star match with Andrade Cien Almas. Uh, NXT Takeover Philadelphia. So there's no there's no doubt about it that they'll they'll put on a brilliant match to both of them. Right. Um. Well, we're coming towards our sort of end of the time here, so we're going to wrap things up there. Uh. I think it's safe to say we're all very happy that Brian's come back. He's going to be involved in WrestleMania and therefore onwards. And we hope to see so many uh possible dream opponents for him following his uh his WrestleMania involvement. So. This has been uh, show three of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweets WrestleMania Week. If you want to keep following the discussion right up to WrestleMania, you can follow us on iTunes Podcasts, on Anchor, and you can follow us on Twitter at Suplex Retweet. But from myself, the modern-day Maharaja David Hockney, and from our panellists, Andy, uh, Ross, and Scott. All right, catch you later. Yep. Just for uh, Be sure to tune in tomorrow for eat sleep suplex retweet live where we'll be discussing the wrestlemania card as a whole so we'll be discussing the world title matches the intercontinental championship match and a bunch of other matches that we've yet to review so stay tuned for that tomorrow at 5 30 p.m be sure to follow the discussion on twitter at suplex retweet and we'll see you then so from me and my panel uh, that's uh, been today's show we'll see you tomorrow for wrestlemania week thank you and good night Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.